From NBC5 and the Dallas Morning News, this is the Lone Star Politics Podcast. I'm Chris Blake. This week on the podcast, Julie Fine and Gromer Jeffers sit down with the candidates running to represent Texas's 32nd Congressional District in a joint interview, incumbent Democrat Colin Allred and Republican challenger Genevieve Collins. Also this week, we'll talk to political science professor Mark Owen. He conducts the University of Texas at Tyler Dallas Morning News polls. That's a discussion you'll hear only on the podcast. Early voting started last week in the state of Texas, with most counties reporting record numbers of people turning out to vote. There were a couple coronavirus-related closures of polling places, one in Tarrant County and one in Denton County, but both reopened within 24 hours. For news on early voting and how to do so safely in person, visit NBCDFW.com. Early voting runs through October 30th. To District 32. When Colin Allred was elected in 2018, it flipped a seat Republican Pete Sessions had held for 16 years. Now, Genevieve Collins is trying to take it back for the GOP. Allred played parts of five seasons in the NFL before earning his law degree and becoming an attorney. Collins served as an executive at an education technology firm and has deep Dallas roots and political bloodlines. Her grandmother was the first woman elected to the Dallas City Council, and her uncle served in Congress for 16 years. Before we get to the interview, a quick background on the district's recent voting history. When Allred won it by six and a half points two years ago, Democrat Beto O'Rourke carried the district by more than 10 points over Senator Ted Cruz, though Cruz ultimately won re-election. In presidential elections, the district turn toward the Democratic Party has been sharp. Hillary Clinton won District 32 by two points in 2016, but before that, Republican presidential candidates Mitt Romney, John McCain, and George W. Bush all won it by double digits, including a whopping 24-point margin for Bush over John Kerry in 2004. So while Democrats hope to keep their momentum going in the district, Republicans have recent history of winning by wide margins there. Here are the candidates, Allred and Collins, with Julian Gromer. Congressman Allred, let's start with you. Why should voters send you back to Washington? Yeah, well, first of all, thanks for having us. And I'm, I'm glad uh, that Ms. Collins has uh, recovered from her health issue. My mother had an emergency appendectomy, and I know how frightening that can be. Uh, you know, I'm proud of the work that we've done in my first term in Congress and how we've done it. I'm proud that we've got a new VA hospital in Garlands, better serving 184,000 veterans here in our community and creating 5,000 jobs passed the U.S.-Mexico-Canada trade agreement that really set a new standard to have both business and labor supporting that, uh, led the effort to get the bullet train between Dallas and Houston past its federal hurdles, and did all that while being endorsed by groups ranging from the Dallas Morning News and the U.S. Chamber of Commerce uh, to some of our biggest labor unions like the AFL-CIO and the SCIU. Uh, I've done it, I think, by trying to focus on who I think we are here in this community, the community that gave me a chance after being raised here by a single mother who was a public school teacher and trying to follow the values that I think we have here and put them into practice in Washington. Ms. Collins, you heard what Representative Allred just said. Why should voters send you to Washington? Well, Gromer, Julie, first off, thank you for having me. And Mr. Allred, thank you to you and Allie for your well wishes. I'm sincerely grateful. I think that this, that North Texas is an economic engine, not just of our state, but of our nation. And our voters should demand someone with real business experience. I'm a businesswoman who's helped grow my family business from 36 employees to 300 employees. And I believe that we need less government in business, but more business in government. Especially coming out of a global pandemic and economic crisis, we need someone that actually has created jobs, has balanced a budget, 
has forecasted growth, and has worked with every school district that makes up this congressional district, ensuring that every child has the opportunity to read and do math on grade level and close the achievement gap in schools. I have real experience, not just in business, but in already serving our community for well over a decade. And we're going to stay with you, Ms. Collins. What do you think is the most pressing issue facing your constituents? Well, I think the economy is the absolute number one issue. Coronavirus response as well as health care are top responses. And having talked to our constituents for a long time, people want to get back to work. It's important that we have someone who knows how to create jobs. I am a businesswoman. I've done that my whole career, and I will continue to do that. I think that our community doesn't want someone who will, who will raise taxes, who will support not allowing the government to give more PPP or SBA loans to our uh, constituents. That's what this Congress has done, is continue to stall economic relief, something that I would absolutely fight against tooth and nail. And I think that North Texans are wanting to get back to work quickly and safely. And that's what I'm hearing day in, day out. Just to be clear, Ms. Collins, the criticisms of Congress you just outlined, are you laying that uh, at the feet of uh, Representative Allred as well? Yes, I believe Mr. Allred wants to raise taxes. He's supported raising taxes on small business during global shutdown. In addition, this Congress continues to stall economic relief for our small businesses. This is unconscionable and unacceptable. All right, Representative Allred, why don't you respond to that before I ask you about the most pressing issues as, as you see them? Well, first of all, uh, I'd like to know from Ms. Collins what piece of legislation she's talking about that raised taxes on small businesses during this pandemic, because it hasn't happened. We passed $4 trillion worth of aid in this Congress, including creating the PPP program that my office has worked extremely hard uh, to make sure the businesses have access to. And so, you know, I, this is a, a pattern that we've seen throughout this campaign, is that my opponent's willing to say and do and really spend anything to get elected, even when it's not supported by the facts. Now, there's a reason why I was endorsed by the U.S. Chamber of Commerce over my opponent, while they're also endorsing a Republican running for senator uh, like John Cornyn. It's because I know what business needs in terms of stability, in terms of having a skilled workforce, and in terms of having infrastructure around them. If we want to talk about health care and getting past this pandemic, let's talk about how my opponent supports Donald Trump, who has blown this pandemic response from the very beginning, has told us that it was a hoax, has told folks even after having it, not to worry about it. You want to talk about getting back to work? We get back to work when we beat this virus. I've been calling for months for a multi-part plan to take care of this virus, to test on a much broader scale, to contact trace, to help folks quarantine and isolate. That's how we beat the virus. That's how they've done it in countries around the world. We've had a failure of leadership here. And my opponent says that we've been, uh, she supports this president, says our communities are thriving under his leadership. I disagree fundamentally. Ms. Collins, he said your claim is not based on fact, and you just heard what he said about your support of President Trump. How do you respond to that? Well, the reality is Mr. Allred has come out in favor of supporting raising taxes. He supports the Biden tax plan, which is a $4 trillion increase on Americans. It will affect 82% of Americans with a tax increase. And what I know for a fact is that North Texans don't want more tax increases. They want to have the opportunity to be the architects of their lives not have the government interfere and tell them how much they need to be paying for their businesses and their families. Will you, That's Ms. Collins, will you agree, though, uh, that he did not raise taxes during a pandemic? Well, not during the pandemic, but certainly supports making sure okay. that 
raise taxes coming forward. You know, he's come out actually supporting, wrote a letter to the governor saying we should be able to raise taxes. This is unacceptable, it's unconscionable, especially when small business owners like Nikki J and Absolutely Edible Cakes in Rowlett, or, um, or Brianna at the Homegrown Collective. These are entrepreneurs that are struggling to get by. And Mr. Allred continues to play party line politics, only voting with Nancy Pelosi 100% of the time, and not actually providing real economic relief in a continued fashion to our constituents. This is unacceptable. Congressman, I'm sure you want to respond to that. We'll let you do that, and then we're going to move on to health care. I do, because nothing that my opponent just said uh, is accurate. Or at least let's just say this. She admitted there that uh, I did not raise taxes during this pandemic, which is something that she's running an ad right now saying that I did. So I'm glad that she's admitted that. We can get that off the table, and we can move on. Uh, but in terms of you know plans and, and where we're going to go from here, the number one thing we have to do uh, is beat this virus to take the parking brake off of our economy. My opponent doesn't have a plan to do that. She's not been in public talking about how we're going to do this. I've been saying this for months. I was the first local official here in North Texas to come back before we had a single case in Dallas County and to try and tell folks the truth about the, the threat that we were facing. I told parents, you have to prepare to have your kids learning from home. I told small businesses, you have to prepare to have your employees working from home. This is at the same time that the president was saying that this was a hoax, that it's going to be 15 cases and it's going to go away. We need responsible leadership who will tell you the truth and that will have a plan, not someone who will just say and do anything to get elected and then will follow the path that she's followed as a candidate uh, of just being a follower and, I think, not really being responsible. All right, we're going to move on to health care here. Congressman Allred, what should be done? Well, as I said, the first thing we have to do, of course, uh, is have a, a plan to tackle this virus, and it has to be dramatically ramping up our testing capacity. We're testing about 900,000 tests a day right now. The healthcare experts are telling us that should be 4 million tests a day. We also have to lower the cost of healthcare for everyone, of course, and that's one of the biggest issues that is facing us. You know, my opponent said on TV that she thinks that Big Pharma should be able to set the prices of prescription drugs. I fundamentally disagree and have led legislation and passed legislation in the House of Representatives that would allow Medicare to negotiate drug prices so that folks don't have to ration their insulin like one quarter of Americans are doing right now. My opponent has been against the Affordable Care Act for a year and a half. She has it on her website right now. You can go look. But all of a sudden, she's now saying that she's for the ACA. And I don't understand you know, the flip-flop there, but I do know that it's not leadership. That's not how you run for office. Uh, and we have to expand coverage and lower costs. Unfortunately, right now in Texas, about a third of folks who are under the age of 65 don't have health insurance because they've lost uh, their health insurance during this crisis. We already were the highest uninsured uh, state in the country. And now it's gotten worse. We need to expand Medicaid, expand the ACA, and lower costs across the board. Ms. Collins, what is your health care plan? And you want to respond to the charges that Representative Allred just made against you? Sure. Mr. Allred continues to lie flat outly about my own belief system about health care. First off, I would never sign on to any piece of legislation. Roman, you and I talked about this. I would never sign on to any piece of legislation that wouldn't protect people with pre-existing conditions. We've got to make sure that we protect our family members, our friends who have pre-existing conditions. I also believe that we have to reduce drug prices. Mr. Allred and I complete, uh, see that we do that in completely different ways. He wants to have government price fixing, which would create a price ceiling, which would automatically create trade-offs because he has no business experience, would actually ensure that we have fewer drugs and cures being created in addition we would have a race to the bottom where generics are squeezed out. 
I believe that we have to have price transparency. I just spent two weekends in the hospital, uh, recovering, getting an appendectomy and having medical complications from one. And the reality is I never got a bill. I don't even know how much this costs. I ask my nurses who are remarkable, who, and the doctors, they don't know how much any of this costs. When we have a more informed and educated consumer base, they're able to ask questions of Big Pharma as to why they are overcharging us in order of magnitude that will reduce the drug prices. In addition, the ACA, Republicans have kicked the can down the line on this and have failed to actually come up with a replacement uh, plan for it. I'm disappointed by my legislators in uh, Congress for over 10 years not coming up with a plan. But the reality is, is that the Affordable Care Act caused to have insurance be too few competitors. We have an oligopoly in the insurance market. We need more competition to drive down the prices. And my opponent flat out lies about my own health care policies and choices. And I'm glad I have the opportunity to clear those up because he's running negative attack ads on something that is factually false. Ms. Collins, let, let's just continue our, our discussion about health care and, and be clear on where you stand on the Affordable Care Act. Are you supportive of it or would you repeal it? Well, Grover, as you and I have discussed many times, I think, like I said, the Republican Party has failed to actually come up with a meaningful plan to repeal and replace, more specifically, replace the Affordable Care Act. I think too much time has gone by, as you and I have discussed. We need to reform the Affordable Care Act, make sure that there's more competition in the marketplace, and ensure that people with pre-existing conditions are always covered, regardless of their condition, that they have insurance regardless. Um, that is where I stand, and I think that that's where the majority of Americans are too. Congressman Allred, we will give you a chance to respond to what was said right before we went to break. Well, first of all, I'm running an ad based on what Ms. Collins said on television, which is that she thinks that big farmers should be able to set their prices. She said that in an interview. That's not made up. That's not fabricated. But let's talk about the ACA, uh, because Ms. Collins supports Donald Trump, who in this right now, as we speak, uh, the administration is trying to repeal the entirety of the Affordable Care Act, not a part of it, the entirety of it. They want to take away health care from over 20 million Americans who've gotten it through the expansion of Medicaid, which Texas should do. They want to take away protections for folks with pre-existing conditions. And I've heard, you know, I heard Pete Sessions say this in the last campaign, and now Ms. Collins saying in this campaign that they want to protect pre-existing conditions. But it's not supported by the facts or their actions, because you can't just allow someone to have coverage uh, if they have a pre-existing condition. You have to control the cost for them. That they cannot be discriminated against so that someone like my wife, if they have a baby, that, that's not a pre-existing condition. So the 7 million Americans who've gotten COVID-19 and that is now going to be a pre-existing condition, not only can get care, but that the cost is controlled. And if you want to talk about competition in the market, uh, the reason we don't have competition uh, is because we needed to have a public option in the marketplace to compete with private insurers, to give folks an option to choose if they want to have access to a low-cost government-provided health insurance uh, option that will compete with private insurers and lower costs across the board. So that's how we increase competition, uh, is by offering that public option that Joe Biden has put forward and that I support, that I think we can do in the next Congress. Mr. Allred, let me ask you this. Ms. Collins has, has brought up her contention that your approach is not bipartisan, that you voted for Nancy Pelosi, with Nancy Pelosi 100% of the time. That appears to be correct. How do you respond to that? 
And are you just in Congress to follow the speaker's lead? Well, thank you, Grover. I'm glad that you wrote the article, actually, uh, addressing uh, this uh, contention from my opponent, uh, which is, let's be clear. First of all, the speaker votes less than 10 percent of the time. So it's kind of a you're cherry picking statistics to try and say that somebody has a similar voting record. But the U.S. Chamber of Commerce, in their endorsement of me, it'd be a 95 percent bipartisan rating. Ninety five percent. That's about as high as it can possibly get. We got the things done that I mentioned earlier, like the Garland VA Hospital, the bullet train between Dallas and Houston, the USMCA trade agreement, by working in a bipartisan fashion. That's how I got those things done. That's how I delivered them. Uh, but it's clear that the folks are paying closest attention to this. Like the U.S. Chamber of Commerce, who rates every single member of Congress, is telling you that she's not telling you the truth. So who are you going to believe? That's the question is, who do you trust here? An independent organization that's trying to take a look at this and make a recommendation or someone who has a personal interest in trying to get elected. We want to thank both of you for being here this morning. Thank you both for your time. For more on this race, head over to NBCDFW.com, where you'll find all of Julie's stories on both candidates. And check out the September 20th episode of the Lone Star Politics podcast for individual interviews with each candidate. Mark Owens is an associate professor of political science at the University of Texas at Tyler and conducts the university's polls released in tandem with the Dallas Morning News. The last poll showed President Donald Trump with a two-point lead over Joe Biden in Texas, and Senator John Cornyn with an 11-point lead over challenger MJ Hagar. Back to Julian Gromer with Mark Owen. Thanks for staying with us for this part of the podcast. Joining us today, Mark Owens, the Associate Professor of Un at University of Texas at Tyler. He's also a pollster for the Dallas Morning News, University of Texas Tyler Poll. Mark, thanks for being with us after that whole long title. Oh, yeah. Well, appreciate it. I'm looking forward to talking with you. This is an exciting election. To say the least. Yeah. Busy time for you, I bet, huh? Yeah. We've, we've been able to do six surveys through the year to really tell some of the stories about the primary and now the general election. So what are you seeing, Mark? What trends? Talk to us about that. I think one of the important trends that we're seeing is that Texas voters are getting engaged and enthusiastic about this election. You know, in this case, Texas has always had you know, pretty good turnout among its registered voters. But the big changes here are going to be some of the demographics about who might vote in this election that didn't vote in 2018 and didn't vote in, in 2016. So from this, it's a big opportunity, right, that all of a sudden you have some of the candidates who are distancing themselves from the president. At the same time, you also see that in the poll numbers. They, they have different, in this case, percentages for themselves, as does the president. So in this case, the, the voters of Texas are really thinking hard about who they're going to support. Yeah, Mark, before we get into that, how tough is it to usually in a normal election, you're right, you can like look at likely voters and be confident that, you know, you're sort of uh, capturing what's going on. But with so many potential new or infrequent voters that may show up for this process, is that challenging for you? There, there are two ways that we look at this. I mean, one, since we're calling registered voters, we're able to see the history of how they voted before. In this case, are they general election voters? And then we do ask them the question of how likely they are to participate. So in this case, the survey now is perfect where you could also tell, ask people if they've already voted during this early voting or absentee. But it takes a lot right now to try and capture people, right? You think we make about uh, some 10,000 phone calls to try and reach about 1,000 people. 
we're going to try and also do our polling it through web and and the phones because all those likely voters and people who are merging into the electorate want to give their opinion in different ways we're looking at the number of newly registered voters since 2016 you're looking at it's going to probably shake out to be something like two million more how do you think that affects everything I think the important part is that it's really going to affect sometimes how we look at the demographics of the voter registration population afterwards. So before, sometimes the registered voters in Texas have been uh, seeing like 57% white and 23% Hispanic or Latino. The opportunity here with the number of young eligible voters who are now eligible to vote that are also of Latino ethnicity, right? That's going to introduce something that could increase that, that number. Every single election, as these pollsters have been updating the numbers, of adding about 2% of the voter registration has been Hispanic. So that's really one of the big discussions that's occurring in the last couple of weeks about Texas's electorate is because we have shifting demographics in this electorate with those new 2 million people. So Mark, the big race in Texas is the presidential race, Donald Trump versus Joe Biden. A Democrat hasn't won here in Texas a Democratic presidential candidate yeah. since 1976, Jimmy Carter over Gerald Ford. When you look at the president, he won last time in 2016 against Hillary Clinton by nine percentage points. What should we be looking at to gauge Trump's strengths or weaknesses here? Is it suburban voters? Is it whether yeah. his base has eroded, independence? What are you looking at? I'm looking at those questions just like you mentioned, the suburban voters, which counties are we seeing higher turnout in? Uh, it really speaks to 2018 Tarrant County, right? Voting Democratic for the first time as it had in more than a decade. And so this idea of being, are some of these red counties going to start moving to be blue or very competitive, purplish, I think, like you see Tarrant County is now. And the big opportunity for us to see is, are those voters who are independents still shifting and staying with President Trump? You look at the idea of him maybe now only being up in Texas five or 4% compared to that nine point win four years ago and how that was a few points lower than Mitt Romney. And so that tells you a little bit about the urbanization of Texas is changing some of these voting opportunities and sort of tells us why the president is spending his time when he's been in Texas in the large cities and then the suburban areas. So in 2018, we saw, you mentioned Tarrant County, we saw Tarrant County go for former El Paso Representative Beto O'Rourke in the Senate race. What are you looking for in Collin County this time? You think we're gonna see shifting there? It could, I think right now, when we look back at our last poll that we conducted in October, the president's popularity in Collin County was the same as his vote share in 2016. So that idea of the changing demographics in Collin County might not be moving right now, unless the, the voters are out there, right? In this case, knocking on the doors and seeing how that'll be different. But that Collin County is one of the president's strongest places in Texas, just the same way that you would think of as like Montgomery outside of Houston. So Mark, the next race I wanna ask you about is the Senate contest, John Cornyn versus MJ Hagar. Does John Cornyn's fate rest with, in some ways with the president, with president Trump's fate or? Are yeah, they related I, or, or not? They're somewhat related. I think in this case that you see that the John Cornyn is having to campaign harder right now than we might have expected he would have to when he won his re-election re last six years ago. Polls have him somewhere between three and eight percent ahead of MJ Hager. When we look at in the last couple of weeks. That is a really interesting race, though, when the voters take a look at this, because 
they're not all equally familiar with both candidates, right? In some cases, this idea, and we saw 2018 in our polling, people knew whether they liked or did not like Senator Ted Cruz. In this case, people have, I guess haven't been paying as much attention to Senator Cornyn. He hasn't been on, in this case, the news, right? Or making the same kind of drawing attention that Senator Cruz had when he was running for president. But that also means that there's a lot of people who don't know enough of whether they had that favorable or unfavorable opinion of MJ Hager. And so she's introducing herself now, and this is something that could change wildly within the next couple of weeks. And I think usually when that happens in other races across the country, that means that the Democratic and Republican candidate, their percentages start to get much closer to each other, like we saw in 2018 with Beto O'Rourke and Ted Cruz. But we still saw in October about 9% of the voters who supported John Cornyn were actually Biden voters. So there's some crossover that he gets because of his own name recognition and what he's done for the state. Mark, before we let you go, looking at the numbers that you're seeing, what does this mean for the Texas House? So in the Texas House, there was, through the spring and, and summer, we're asking questions of which people would vote for the Republican or the Democratic candidate in their election. And a lot of people started, it was 50-50. And in this case, the Republicans are back up leading the charge in the Texas House. But I think that this idea of being able to flip eight seats in the Texas House, in specifically suburban areas that might have high turnout for this presidential election year, is something to keep an eye on, right? I think that's the name recognition that's drawn to the top of the ticket might help influence how people cast their ballots lower. So I think we should see those state representative candidates be a lot more out there, right? I mean, they're trying to differentiate themselves. And, and that, of course, is existing with the U.S. House races. I just have one quick question. Will there be any surprises on November 3rd? Yes, I, I think in this case, that's the wave of a changing state. It, I can't tell you which surprise to look for, but we're, there's one that's going to emerge. There's going to be new candidates that we see because these new numbers of the election are going to show us who is popular, right? Who can emerge as a national leader from Texas? You know, a couple of years ago, we had quite a few chairmen and, and other national leaders that represented Texas. And that's something that can clearly emerge when they show the, the vote shares and how they exceed expectations. All right. Thanks to Representative Colin Allred, Genevieve Collins, and Mark Owens for joining us this week. You can stay up to date with everything related to Texas politics at NBCDFW.com slash Lone Star Politics. We'll talk to you next week.